0: Pushkin.
1: I had just turned 20 like a month earlier, and I woke up one morning to this sound that was, it sounded like a fire alarm. Like if you, if you woke up to a fire alarm, you would be in a state of emergency. And that's, that's what it felt like. And then it took me a few seconds to realize that the sound actually wasn't coming from anywhere. It was, it was coming from inside my own head.
0: That was seven years ago. And every day since then, Ramsey Kabaz has continued to hear that same persistent sound in his head.
1: If you're inside and you live on a busy street and there's a truck backing up, the, the beeping sound that it makes to kind of let pedestrians know, it's, it's sort of that volume, uh, but it's not like a punctuated beeping. It's, it's persistent. It, it was the, literally the only sound just completely dominating my headspace.
0: This change Ramsey experienced, it was something doctors were able to name and describe. They said it was tinnitus with sudden hearing loss in his left ear. But they couldn't explain why it happened to Ramsey. So he went searching for his own answer. I'm Maya Shankar, and this is A Slight Change of Plans, a show that dives deep into the world of change and hopefully gets us to think differently about change in our own lives. MC Kabaz remembers the exact moment this happened. He was a sophomore in college. It was Thursday, October 16th, 2014, a little after 9 a.m., when he woke up to a high pitched ringing in his left ear.
1: I remember running to the bathroom and, like, literally looking inside of my ear and feeling inside of my ear and trying to figure out, like, what had happened. Like, did I fall asleep with my headphones in? Is there something inside of my ear? And obviously, there wasn't. And I, I was really freaked out. I, I called my mom and I was like, hey, I, I think something's really wrong because I woke up with this ringing in my ear and now I'm feeling really off balance. And I'm talking to my mom on the phone and she's, you know, asking me if I want to, you know, for her to come pick me up um, and take me to, you know, the the doctor or something. And I switched hands at some point, you know, I was, I was holding the phone with my right hand and I switched over to my left hand and the call dropped and I was really confused. And I was like, hello, like you there. And there was no sound. And so then eventually I switched hands again and she was back and the call was back. And I remember putting it together that, oh my God, I can't hear anything out of my left ear. I think this is, it's not the call dropping. It's, it's my, my ear isn't working. So I, I asked my mom to, to say the alphabet. She's confused, but she's like, okay, um, A, B, C, D. And I switch over to my left ear and there's nothing. And then I switched back over to my right ear and L M N O P. And I, you know, at that point I was like, I really think that uh <laughs> I need to go, you know, go to the doctor because something's something's not right here.
0: And did this doctor know immediately what was going on?
1: So this is kind of where where I started to get a little frustrated because, you know, he was telling me, yeah, you have you have sudden uh sudden hearing loss. I was not in a good mood, as you can imagine. I remember saying to him, yeah, I know. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> like, It's it's pretty clear to me that I have suddenly lost my hearing. Could you tell me why? Could you tell me what happened? The best they can do is just call the condition what the symptom is. And I remember he listed off to me a bunch of possible reasons. And it ranged from, from you know, um, I had, had a concussion the previous year, so that was... Uh, it could have been a residual side effect of my concussion. It could have been something related to my jaw. It could have been an autoimmune reaction to some, you know, some virus. And then the one that he that he told me at the end that really freaked me out was, you know, because you're so young for something like this to happen, it's possible that you have like a brain tumor. And I remember hearing that and thinking, oh my god, like, you know. This is this is really fucking scary.
0: Do you mind just describing what it was like lying in your bed that night?
1: I think just fear, you know. It's it's like if somebody when somebody tells you not to think about elephants, you know, mm. and then all you can think about is elephants having the the persistent tone that ringing just so loud and no other sound in that in that ear just like filling my head with with fear and the fear was was just like literal it was literalized by by the sound that was not going away and and i was more or less told by the doctors that it may never go away that that sound may just stay with me forever if if you try to to go to sleep with that sound playing in your room that's how difficult it was for me to go to sleep that first night
0: so you wake up the next morning and that ringing is still in your head. Mm-hmm. Did it take your conscious brain just a moment or two to register this new reality?
1: Yeah, I remember waking up and realizing or thinking and worrying that the only the only silence I would ever get for the rest of my life would be when I was asleep. Mm. Like there was no there was no such thing as silence anymore and and I what I remember about waking up before this happened to me was you know that feeling of like you wake up and it's just quiet it was like waking up to to an alarm
0: wow um you had a brain scan to figure out whether or not you had this tumor in your brain uh
1: i went in for the mri and if anyone's ever gotten an mri um on on you know on their head before you go into this little like, it feels like a coffin almost, or like a tanning bed. <laughs> and you like slide in and there's a, there's a loud sort of whirring sound, but they gave me headphones and they were like, Hey, like, what kind of music do you like? We can play whatever you, whatever you want on, on, on these headphones. And I was like, all right, well, I like Bob Dylan. Uh, can you play some Bob Dylan? I think they had Pandora at that point at the hospital. <laughs> so they gave me, they put the headphones in. And I think the first song was like, I don't know, maybe like a Rolling Stone or something. And then the Pandora formula gave me Simon and Garfunkel's The Sound of Silence. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so I'm in this MRI machine, you know, like weeping <laughs> with the sound of silence playing and this loud whirring of the machine and the, and the loud ringing in my ear. And in retrospect, it's like dark comedy, you know, just not knowing like what, Kind of information I was going to get back from uh, from this test, um, and luckily, you know, thank God, I, I did not have I did not have a brain tumor. I think that I was not really reassured by the fact that I didn't have a brain tumor. I was I was grateful, of course, but it didn't bring me the kind of peace that I that I think it maybe should have or 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 could have.
0: You know, one thing that's so interesting about tinnitus, so maddening about tinnitus, is that. Unlike many other challenges or afflictions we face in life, you can't get a respite from it. Right? You can't just take a minute away.
1: It was really hard. I mean, I think I have the language now to describe it as um as like a mental health crisis, you know? I think I was really mm-hmm. going through some some depression at that time and 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 a lot of anxiety because like you said there's no there's no rest, you know? There's no there's no relaxing. And it made me realize that like having some quiet is really important. Having a, a, a chance to like leave class and just kind of sit on a bench and like not think about anything is really important. And I didn't know how to, how to pause anymore. And so mm-hmm. I think that that led to a lot of anxiety. And then there was sort of this deeper psychological thing that happened, which, which is this fear fear of my body just failing and and things just just failing for no reason the depression part of it or the you know the hopelessness part of it was more of like an analytical thing happening in my brain where I was I sort of did some transitive property uh calculation where I was like well like if this if I woke up one day and this happened then like what could happen tomorrow you know and that led to a lot of a lot of fear and a lot of um you know some depression
0: mmm Which thing was troubling you more? Was it the physiological sensation of having this constant ringing in your ear, or was it this new realization about your own fragility and vulnerability and the fact that your body could just fail you at any moment in time?
1: Well, to me, they were related because the physiological experience of being distracted and being, um, you know, not having rest was it was it it was acting as a reminder of the existential stuff M- the existential questioning and you know those big sort of difficult morbid questions like were just as persistent as the sound if that makes sense because to me like not having the brain tumor you know i think i was trying to tell myself that like okay well the worst didn't happen here you know like it, it things aren't that different you know it could have been it could have been so much more different if if chance had sort of broken in a different way and so i think i was not being honest with myself about the fact that like the condition that i was experiencing was really dramatic
0: we'll be right back with a slight change of plans Sometimes trusting your gut doesn't work, like when you end up late because you think the line at the coffee shop doesn't look too long. Probiotics can't help with most of your gut decisions, but if your gut needs a little support, Ritual has your back. They made a three-in-one supplement I love called Symbiotic Plus. It includes clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. All kinds of things can mess with your gut on a daily basis, like stress, travel, and food choices. I take Symbiotic Plus from Ritual every morning to help my gut microbiome. The delayed release is designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract. And I appreciate that it's in just one minty capsule, no refrigeration needed. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash slight. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash slight for 20% off. Did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most of these cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship and leads to excessive carbon emissions. Blueland is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful, cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Blueland is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine. I love that I can just fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blueland tablets, and start cleaning. Blueland is a staple in my home because I find their products super clean and effective. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients you can feel good about. Blueland has a special offer for listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slight. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slight for 15% off. That's blueland.com slight to get 15% off. Ramsey Kabazz could not find a medical explanation for his tinnitus, even after speaking with over a half-dozen doctors about it. He tried to find ways to cope with it, but nothing was working, and he continued to feel despondent. One night, about a month after this all began, he was out with his girlfriend, and they noticed that an old movie called Hannah and Her Sisters was playing that night at the local theater. Neither of them had seen it, so they bought two tickets. And as a warning, this next section contains a brief mention of suicide.
1: And it's a movie where basically there's there's one subplot where a character um, who's like a hypochondriac wakes up with like a, a ringing or a buzzing in his ear, and he kind of freaks out, goes to the doctor, and the doctor tells him that he might have a brain tumor, and then he is sent down this like existential spiral and. I'm sitting there watching this movie, like, you know, my, like nudging my girlfriend, like, can you believe this? Like, this is pretty fucking weird that like, this is happening sort of on the margins of this movie. Like the story is exactly what I've been going through these past few weeks. And then he's basically suicidal in his apartment and he, um, he has a gun and he's like the gun misfires and he kind of freaks out. And so he leaves his apartment is walking around New York city and he wanders into a movie theater, and he sits down, and it's like an old Groucho Marx movie that is really funny and makes him laugh. <laughs> he says uh, that basically the fact of walking into this movie theater and feeling comforted by by movies was sort of restorative of his like spiritual crisis. And, and so I'm sitting there in the theater, like looking at this character Looking up at a screen, basically recounting exactly what I was experiencing. You know, I loved movies. I was studying movies at that time. Like, I wanted to be a, a director and a writer. It felt meaningful. And I think that that's, that's one thing that I really clinged on to. So I was feeling hope because the movie reflected my experience in a way that felt so unlikely that it must mm-hmm. mean. Something you know,
0: it is such a common feature of of human psychology to want to create narratives and stories for ourselves to try to make sense Mm -hmm. of our lives. And this tendency, this aspect of human nature, where we're we're always trying to build stories, is one of the reasons why we are so resilient.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, there's that famous Joan Didion quote: "We tell ourselves stories in order to live." I think it's true. It's like we all have this narrative about ourselves. Um, I think when something unexpected happens for for a reason that doesn't track with what you've been telling yourself about yourself, you need to fit it into your story somehow.
0: I'm wondering what impact the tinnitus had on your relationships.
1: Um, the way that I was coping with it socially was was to kind of just withdraw, I think, for for the practical reasons of of not really being willing or able to go to like loud spaces, like parties and concerts, but then also for the psychological reasons of just feeling not super fun. <laughs> not super fun to be around. Like I wasn't I wasn't making jokes. I wasn't a great hang at that time. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember I, I was living in a in a house off campus and I was I was sitting on on the porch of the house. Which was like a little bit elevated above the sidewalk. And, um, and I was, it was dark and I could hear some people kind of walking on the sidewalk below. And I heard, I heard someone say my name. I heard someone say, like, oh, like, doesn't Ramsey live in this house? And then I heard a second voice say, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> and I, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, like, like, do it. Should I say, like, should I? make myself known? Like, what do I do here? And I realized I kind of like took a peek and I realized that the person who said that was, was one of my like closest friends from freshman year. And I can hear, I can hear the guy saying like, yeah, like, I don't know what happened to that guy. Like he, he never wants to hang out. Like I haven't seen him in so long. Like he's, he was clearly hurt that like, I had kind of fallen off the map. And Man, like that was a really um important signal to me that like my inability to communicate about this experience honestly with people and my my tendency to just withdraw instead of offering some kind of an explanation was actually like you know, people were experiencing that in a way that was absolutely not what I intended. I, I had I had sort of let some some people down. I think
0: hmm. was this a big turning point for you? Uh, the the realization that you know I, I'm I don't know how to communicate about this to others, and I think as you mentioned, I don't know even how to communicate this to myself. Was that a strong source of motivation for you to really aggressively confront this problem and and tackle it on an emotional level?
1: Yes, it was a bit of a turning point where. I just became more aware that like I can't just deal with this as something that like was a dodged bullet just because I didn't have a brain tumor like this was still a big deal and very formative and very um consequential to my development and I need to just like say that to people when I when they get to know me because it's an important factor in my story.
0: Mhm. I'm curious Ramsey whether finally acknowledging what a big deal this was in some way helped you better manage the physiological experience Mm. of the tinnitus?
1: I think there was two distinct recoveries. There was my psychological sort of reasoning of the experience and becoming more honest with myself and others about it. And then there was simultaneously a physiological thing that happened that I don't know how to explain where my brain just stopped perceiving it the way that it did initially. I'm really interested in how how my brain was able to over time learn how to not be alarmed by it anymore.
0: I know in the case of anxiety research that if you find ways to feel less threatened by an anxious thought, it really does lose power over you and can Mm. become something you notice less. Does this mirror your experience with tinnitus?
1: Mm. When I think about The sound, I used to think about it as like, as, as like some kind of like a, like a conscious enemy, if that makes sense, Mm. like something that was, that I was fighting, you know? And now when I hear it, like right now, I can just kind of like stop for a second and be like, yep, there it is, still there. I don't think of it as an enemy. I literally just think of it like, you know, It's my hand, or like it's my finger, you know, like it's just a part of my physical self. It's just there, you know. Sometimes I'm a little like, ugh, like I wish this could just go away. But other times I'm just like, yeah, it's there and doesn't bother me. It's not, I'm not fighting it, you know. And I think I remember the first day that I realized that I hadn't thought about it the previous day where I I woke up, I was like eating breakfast or something and then I like remembered it and it was there like it always is, and I heard it. And I remember thinking to myself like holy shit, I don't think I I don't think I thought about this yesterday. like I don't think I perceived this sound all day yesterday. I don't remember pausing and getting frustrated. I don't remember thinking about it, hearing it, like turning on a fan to mask it. I think I just went the whole day yesterday the way that I would have if, I didn't have this ringing in my ear. And that was inexplicable to me and like so comforting to know that like it didn't need to go away in order for me to not perceive it.
0: When you put different labels on an anxious thought, Mm -hmm. right, as not being the enemy, like, you know, it's equivalent of visualizing wanting to like smash the anxious thought with a baseball bat Mm -hmm. versus. Imagining that it's a thing in the sky just floating by you and you you notice it and mm-hmm. you acknowledge it and you let it pass, yeah. and it's the same thought in the same way that it's the same sound for you, right, but it just doesn't have the same power over your anxious brain as as it did before,
1: yeah, yeah, I actually I've never thought this before, but I've never put this together, but I think of it as quiet now, I guess if that makes mm. sense like it, it is it is my version of quiet. When when I can't hear anything else but it, that's just sort of my like my meditation space. That's what it feels like to me.
0: If I had asked 20-year-old Ramsey, how's this whole tinnitus thing gonna play out for you? What's required in order for you to be okay with this? What do you think he would have said?
1: I think I would have had like a determination about me to resolve it medically. Mm. Because I remember at that time, I went to, no joke, I think I went to like eight or nine doctors. And the fact that I didn't get an explanation that was satisfying to me was so frustrating for so long that like, I think I just wanted to continue to track that down. I think I would have probably told you like, I'm going to figure out what happened and I'm going to I'm going to solve it. I'm going to get my I'm going to get my silence because even if it doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want, sometimes an answer feels like it's like fool's gold, but like it feels like it might make a difference even even when it won't. But obviously I would have been wrong. <laughs> like I can't even be bothered to read like a research paper that my like med school friend sends me now <laughs> about this like i it's it's not only that i'm not actively pursuing an answer or or a resolution it's that i'm like indifferent to it
0: Thanks for listening. Join me next week when I chat with Grammy winning singer songwriter Casey Musgraves. We talk about her upcoming album and the impact a psychedelic trip has had on her creative process. Literally, the day after my experience, I mean, it was like the neurons were just firing off like insane imagery, perspective. I mean, there was a massive explosion of creativity, ideas, the whole concept for my new album. That I've been writing. A slight change of plans is created and executive produced by me, Maya Shunker. Big thanks to everyone at Pushkin Industries, including our producer Mola Laborde, associate producers David Jaw and Julia Goodman, executive producers Mia Labelle and Justine Lang, senior editor Jen Guerra. And sound design and mix engineers, Ben Tolliday and Jason Gambrell. Thanks also to Luis Guerra, who wrote our theme song, and Ginger Smith, who helped arrange the vocals. Incidental music from Epidemic Sound. And of course, a very special thanks to Jimmy Lee. You can follow A Slight Change of Plans on Instagram at Dr. Maya Shankar. Do you, do you visualize it at all though? Like does it have a f- shape or a form? I've always been curious about that.
1: This is gonna be kind of weird. I've never answered this question before. Um, it feels like a shooting star, kind of. Like there's some kind of like a like a fluttery, sparkly um, shimmer around the very direct, fast, straight line, if that makes sense. That's a cool question. I've literally never I've never said that or thought that out loud, but like that's pretty much what it feels like.
0: Wow. Shooting star.
1: Yeah. Just like straight, bright, thin, and like you notice it. (laughs) It's just a shooting star in my ear. (laughs) Everyone (laughs) wants a shooting star in their ear.